Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And once again, happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room. We are so excited that you're worshiping with us and celebrating with us this morning. And if you're new, welcome. Or if you're watching this later this week online, thanks so much for joining us. And this is a great day. I woke up this morning, I text my dad, um, just letting him know how much he means to me. And so this is a day where we get to celebrate dads and really honor the impact that they've made in our life. And we also recognize that in this room, it may be a difficult day for some of you. Maybe um, there are those of you in this room that you've lost a son or a daughter. And so Father's Day may be a little bit hard because you're remembering that, or maybe you've lost a father. Maybe your father has passed away, and so today is difficult um, for you. And so we recognize that as well. And we realize that those of us that maybe didn't have a dad or have a broken relationship with our father, that God is a good heavenly father. His word says that he brings comfort. And so even if today is difficult, we know that God's presence is near to us to comfort us and to bring joy even in difficult moments that Christ is near to us. And so I want to encourage you with that. And that's what we've been talking about in this labeled series, that each and every one of us, that we are sons, we're labeled as sons or daughters of God. Um, and that because he is our heavenly father, that that makes a difference. It makes an impact in our lives. Last week, we talked about because God is our king, um, that we are princesses and princes in the kingdom of God. We are royalty, and that makes an impact on how we live our lives. And so today, we're finishing up the third part of this series of conversations that we've been in, and we're talking about how we've been labeled citizens of heaven. We've been labeled citizens of heaven. And that one statement, that identifying marker in our life that God has given us, it makes a difference in our lives. And so we want to look at that. What does it mean that we're citizens of heaven? How do we become labeled citizens of heaven? And then how do we live our lives because of that? What should our lives look like? Now, as we get into this message and I started to work through it, I know that right here I need to pause and make a disclaimer, okay? So everyone in the room needs you to listen to this, okay? We're talking about being citizens of heaven. In a room this size, there are going to be a lot of political views, okay? And as I talk about this, I don't want it to be confusing. Wait, is he talking about the United States of America? Is he talking about maybe policies where you may land on one side or the other? And I just want to be very clear. Here at New Community Church, when we're up here on this stage and we're opening up Scripture, we're not talking about our opinions. This is not about a political party. And I want you to hear this. It's not even about being an American. And I am very patriotic, especially as one of our sons has started to serve in the military. I'm very thankful for the nation that I live in, but that is not what we're talking about up here on this stage. We're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And so I realize there are a lot of different views. So I don't want you scratching your head saying, wait, he's saying heaven, but does he really mean this should be like this here in America? It's not what we're talking about. So everyone clear on that? We've got that. We're going to look this morning at what scripture says that it means that we're citizens of heaven. And what should that look like culturally? How should our lives be different? What kind of impact does that have on us? Now, before I came here to New Community Church, I had the privilege of being a missions pastor. And so my job was, I found myself many times throughout the year in other countries and other cultures. And it was so neat to experience what other people got to experience. It was different because they did things differently and you'd be in different parts of the world and they would um, just interact differently. And so it was neat to see some of those. And I don't know if you've ever been in another culture, 
But there's one culture, as I was just thinking about this again, um, in one part of the world, the Mediterranean part of the world, where whenever you go to bless someone, maybe you're at a wedding or a graduation or a ceremony, in order to bless them, you spit. Now, that seems odd to us, right? You're like, whoa, that's not a blessing, okay? Just go ahead and keep that. But that's what they do. It's a sign of honor. It's actually an ancient thing, and it was thought to maybe ward off bad spirits. Or, and so you would spit. Now, nowadays, they don't really spit like something comes out, but they kind of make this sound like, kind of like that, okay? And you can see that you almost tend to spit whenever you do that. But it's a cultural thing, and, and it's really a sign of honor. It's a blessing to whoever is being celebrated in that moment. But if you're there and you don't know that, it looks really different, doesn't it? Like you're wondering, what's going on here? Why is everyone doing that? If you're in another part of the world, in, in Southeast Asia, um, there are cultures where you'll see people doing this. And you may wonder, what in the world is going on? But in that part of the world, it's rude to point. You wouldn't do this. It's very offensive. It's rude. And so when you're giving someone directions, you wouldn't say, hey, go down the street, and then you're going to take a left. You would do all of that with your thumb, okay? So practice this with me, okay, right here. There you go, okay, you're giving directions. They're not trying to hitchhike, you guys, okay? They're not looking for a ride. They're giving directions and saying, hey, you go down this street, this is how you do it. It's just culturally different. I don't know about you, but in my household, thinking about Father's Day, my dad had some strict rules at the dinner table, Okay? Aaron, you don't sing at the dinner table. I never got that one. Okay, I love to sing. And, and that was one of my dad's rules. It may could be because I'm just a bad singer. Maybe that was it, okay? He didn't want to hear that. But, but hey, you didn't sing at the dinner table. You didn't talk with food in your mouth. I understand that one. We tell our kids that one. You didn't make noise while you're eating. But there's some parts of the world, whenever you eat a meal, I dropped that one. Let me try again here. That that's what you do. Mm. And when you hear that, I know some of you guys are cringing because the rule in your household, maybe growing up or that you have as a parent is you don't make noise. I don't want a noisy eater at my table, but there are parts of the world that that is a sign of respect. And when you're eating the meal, you want to be as loud as you can, slurping, sucking up noodles, all of those things, because it's a sign of honor to whoever prepared that meal that this is really delicious. And, and it really tastes good. And so you do that just really loud, okay? My kids are great at doing that. And, and so it's a cultural thing. Once again, in our world, it seems a little different. And so as I was thinking about this, there are things that as followers of Christ, as people that have been labeled as citizens of heaven, that our lives should look different. That other people around us, that they look at our lives and they see that and they notice, hey, something's different about that individual. And so we're going to look at this, but I want to start this morning by looking at this idea of how do we get labeled as citizens of heaven? So if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to start reading at verse 14, and there are going to be a lot of scriptures this morning. So there's a blue Bible if you want to follow along, but you may want to write these down because we're going to go through quite a few scriptures this morning, and if any of them stand out, you can go back and look at them later. But this is what it says, Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 14, the writer says this, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. So he's writing people that are living in different cultures and in different nations, different places, and he's writing to them and he's saying this, hey, we're not looking for a city that will last here on this earth. We know that kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall. 
Emperors will come, political leaders, world leaders, they will come and they will go. But we are citizens of heaven. We're looking for something and we know that we're seeking a city that will never fall, but that is still to come. And so he recognized that. He's reminding the the people that he's writing to, you've been labeled as a citizen of heaven. You're not like everyone else. You're, you're not just a part of the nation that you live in. You've been labeled as a citizen of heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Philippians 3, 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, hey, I'm reminding you, you've been labeled as a citizen of heaven, that God has invited you in, that he's called you part of his family, part of his kingdom. You now belong to him. And we're recognizing this once again, that salvation will never come from a government, that it doesn't matter how great their laws or how fair, or how just, that's not where our salvation comes from. We eagerly await the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we recognize that our king, The president that we elect, if you will, it's Jesus. That's who we're looking to govern, to rule our lives, to lead our lives, because we are citizens of heaven. And so that's where our loyalty lies. That's where our heart lies. It's in the kingdom of God. And so we need to recognize that. We need to remember that when everything is going on in the world around us, that we're not hoping that salvation will come from some Um, legalistic rule or some law that will be passed. That's not going to fix the problems that are found in our world, but we're looking to Jesus Christ as the Savior. Why? Because we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We belong to him. And that's what these writers are talking about in the New Testament over and over again. They're saying, hey, when you go into work, when you turn on the news, when you look at things that are going on, when either you agree or disagree with those that are in power here in this world, you need to recognize that our heart and our citizenship belongs to the kingdom of God and in heaven. That's where we look to for our salvation. And so we need to make sure that we don't forget that God has labeled us as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so how does that happen? How do you and I get labeled as citizens of heaven. Well, if you're here in the United States and you weren't born a citizen, you have to go through quite a difficult process. And so there's paperwork, there's forms, there's all of these things. You have to go to a court hearing, there's tests that you have to take sometimes. There's all of these different things that you have to do. So how do you get labeled as a citizen of heaven? It's very simple. You accept God's grace in your life. That's what Ephesians chapter two reminds us of. Paul saying this in Ephesians 2, 8, where he says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. I'm gonna read that again. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. That's all that it is. And this is not of your own doing. This isn't something that you did. This is a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So if you hear someone saying, well, well, I'm a good Christian, I do all of the right things, that's not how we become a Christian. It doesn't have to do with your works. It doesn't have to do with how much you read the Bible, how much you pray, even how often you come to church. That's not how we receive God's grace. We realize that we are broken, that we are flawed people, that we are sinful, that we continually disobey God, and we receive the grace of God over our lives. And when that happens, not based off of our works, God labels, hey, you're the citizen of the kingdom of God. Now you belong to a different place. You belong to a different nation. You're no longer just of this earth, but now you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so Paul's reminding us of that. Hey, we're citizens of heaven. 
that we belong to God, once again, not because of what we've done, but because we have accepted the gift of God. That simple act right there of, Lord, I'm broken and I can't fix myself, but Lord, I receive your gift. That's how God labels us a citizen of his kingdom. Now, what can happen, and maybe you've been in churches like this, we do this thing long enough and we think we become the gatekeepers of heaven. Have you ever met people like that? And they think it's their job to constantly remind people or to point out, hey, you're on the outside, you're away from God, you're separate, and and I'm on the inside, I'm where God wants me to be, and, and you're not quite there. Or we point fingers at people and think, they'll never get there. And that's not our job as citizens of heaven. That's not what God talks about in his word. That's not our heart. A matter of fact, Jesus points out when people do that, how wrong they are. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, he's got a crowd of people just like this. And there is someone from a different nation, a Roman that that has come and his son is sick. And he's pleading with Jesus to heal them, to heal his son. And he says something and Jesus is amazed. And this is Jesus' response. He, He says this in Matthew 8, 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, no one in Israel has faith like this. He's saying there's all of these people that think they're close to God and I've not seen faith in their life that's like this Roman centurion has. And I tell you, many will come from the east and from the west and they'll recline at the table of Abraham. They'll be labeled as citizens of God. They'll be coming from all over from different places and they'll be in the kingdom of heaven while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. See, there were these religious people. And once again, they thought their job was to keep everyone else out and to tell everyone else how far they were away from God. That's what they thought they were called to do. And Jesus is reminding them, wait, if you're a citizen of heaven, you're inviting people in. You realize that there will be people that don't look like you, that don't talk like you that come from different cultures, that have different backgrounds, that worship in different ways. There will be all of these things. Their music sounds different. All of these will be in the kingdom of heaven. And if we're not careful, if we think our job is to be the gatekeeper or the spiritual bouncer in the kingdom of God, then we're missing what God is calling us to. We're challenged to invite people in, to remind them that God wants to label them as citizens of heaven. This is an open invitation, you guys. I believe this, that heaven has an open immigration policy that anyone can come in. And we see this in scripture that there will be people there from all parts of the world that look vastly different than us that will be celebrating and worshiping in the kingdom of God. God says, whoever will, for God so loved the world, everyone that they can come and that they can receive this invitation to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Now I want you to hear this church because we can read a verse like this and we can hear something and then we can misunderstand this. This is not saying everyone gets into heaven. And that can be confusing. I know that even in the church world that there's people that want to just share that, hey, everyone just gets a free pass in. It doesn't matter who you are. As long as your heart is kind of right, as long as you're a good person, as long as you have good intents, then Jesus will just give you a pass. And that's not the way it works. It's by grace. It's by accepting that gift of God. And once again, as much as scripture invites everyone to come into the kingdom of God, it reminds us that if we're disobedient, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, 
Paul reminds the church and he's saying, I want to remind you that the unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were like that. But listen, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. What's he saying? You used to wear a different label. You used to have a different identity. You used to be part of this world and God has taken that off and he's labeled you that he has washed you, that he has sanctified you. You're no longer like that, but now you're walking in the righteousness and the grace of God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of heaven. And so we realize this church, this is the calling that God has given us, that we are to extend salvation, that we're to invite people in. It's like we are the statue of liberty outside the kingdom of heaven. And we're inviting everyone, the poor, the broken, the masses, the homeless, those that are far away from God, we're inviting them to come in and to experience the kingdom of heaven, to experience true freedom and true grace from God. That's the calling that we have over our lives because we have been labeled. If you have received the grace of God over your life, you have a different label that you wear now. You don't wear a label of sin, but you wear a label that declares the righteousness of God over your life. And so we realize that we have been labeled as citizens of heaven. So we're inviting everyone to come in. So what does this look like? When you are labeled as a citizen of heaven, how does your life look different culturally? What are those cultural things in the kingdom of God? Well, the first one is this. It's that we love everyone with a God kind of love. We love everyone with a God kind of love. So people should look at your life and they should see that kind of love demonstrated inside of you that makes them turn their head and think, wow, that's different. I'm not used to seeing that where I live. I'm not used to being around people like that. If you've been labeled a citizen of heaven, people should look at you and think, wow, that's culturally different. I've not noticed that a lot before. That looks very different from what I'm used to. We should love everyone with a God kind of love. That should be the culture that describes us and that is demonstrated in our life that we are that example. And so if you have your Bibles, Jesus talks about this. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, a new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's he saying? Listen to this, church. He's saying, yes, that you love one another and that your love looks like this, that people look at you and they're like, oh, I recognize you're a citizen of heaven. You're not like everyone else around you. Culturally, you're different. Your life demonstrates a different example. When I look at you, I see that cultural mark of Christ over your life. I can tell you belong to the kingdom of heaven because of the way that you love one another. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you loving like that? Are you demonstrating the love of God in that way that people look at your life and they notice something is different? They're from a different place. They don't just belong to this earth. They're not like everyone else, but I see the mark of heaven over their life because we've been labeled as citizens of heaven. We love everyone with a God kind of love. Now, let me explain this. This doesn't mean that we're awkward, okay? Do you get this, church? Because our culture isn't like every other culture around the world. 
So here in the United States, we don't greet each other with a kiss. Guys, don't try to go up to that girl and kiss her, okay, and make it spiritual or biblical. That's not what this is, okay? We're, we're not trying to get weird. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Sarah and I, we've been going back and watching reruns of Seinfeld. I don't know if anyone watches that show. And there's one where he's like, I hate the kiss hello. Like where someone just walks up and they give you a kiss on the cheek and it's awkward. You don't know how to really act or, or kind of respond in that moment because that's not really our culture for the most part. We don't do that. So what is it that Jesus is talking about? Well, he's saying your life should look like this, that the love of Christ is demonstrated that you're giving to other people that you're serving, you're demonstrating kindness, that the way that you live your life, that other people look at that and they notice, hey, that person's like Jesus, that's how they're living. And so that's how we should be living our life is that whenever we sit down and talk with people, we're not waiting to get out of the conversation. We're not waiting to put in our two cents. We're listening to what they're saying. And with a deep heartfelt compassion, we wanna hear what's going on in their life. We're not looking to rush onto the next moment or to get out of there. Why? Because we have a God kind of love in our hearts that draws us close to people and that we wanna know what's going on in their life. What does that mean? It means we look for ways to serve one another. It means that in our own household with our own family, that when the laundry's in the washer, you don't complain, okay? You don't yell at the other person in the household. You take the chore of switching it to the dryer, okay? That's what you do. Why? Because you're labeled a citizen of heaven. That means that you jump in and do the dishes. Or it means that you pick up after the person, even though you told them to throw their clothes in the hamper a hundred times and they still don't. You do that. Why? Because we love one another. It means in your workplace, you wake up in the morning and you look for ways to serve others. God, what can I do today with the people that I'm going to come in contact with to make their day better? How do I do that, Jesus? How do I leave them enriched? The people that I'm gonna talk to, how do they walk away from that conversation encouraged, enlightened with their heart, happier, more full of joy because I've done that. Why? Because Jesus says that's how people are gonna know you belong to the kingdom of heaven. That's how people are gonna know you're labeled is when you love with that kind of love. When you demonstrate that kind of compassion, when you show that to other people around you, that's the kind of God love that we're looking for. And so Jesus tells his disciples this in John chapter 15, verse 12, this is my command. This is what I'm telling you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friend. And so Jesus is looking at you and me saying, hey, you're a citizen of heaven. Are you demonstrating that kind of love that you're willing to sacrifice? And I'm not talking about that epic kind of end of the movie moment where the person jumps in front of the bullet or they jump on the grenade for the person that they love. But what I'm talking about is every day, can you say no to yourself? Every day, can you die to yourself in your workplace, with your family, with your friends? Can you say, I will say no to something that I want so that I can love and I can sacrifice myself for other people around me? This is the command that Jesus has given us. What should culturally look different about our lives because we're citizens of heaven? People should look at us and say, your life looks so different. I see Jesus inside of you. I see the love of God. It's unlike anything that I've seen around me. There's something different about you. You don't really belong here. 
It's like you're not even from this place because I see the love of Christ pouring out over your life. That's what God is saying. There's a different culture about us because we've been labeled as citizens of heaven. Let me give you one more thing that we see in scripture. As citizens of heaven, that cultural difference in our lives should be we worship and sing to our creator. Hear this church, we worship and we sing to our creator. I'm not just talking about a Sunday morning for a few minutes as we gather together. I'm talking about every part of our life, everything inside of us. I can remember this, whenever Sarah and I um, first got married, she's kind of gotten used to it now. We'd be walking through the supermarket and I would just start to sing. And she would look at me like, what in the world are you doing? And once again, part of it could be because I'm not a very good singer, you guys, okay? Not gonna, not gonna torture you with that this morning, but not a great singer, don't have great vocals. That's why you never see me up here on stage singing. But, but there was just this joy in my life. Why? Because I had just come from years of brokenness. When I first met Sarah, man, my life was in shambles. I, I didn't have hope in my life. Like there was a lot of stuff going on. And then all of a sudden I received the love of God in my life and something changed. And so there'd be moments where I'd just be out around other people and I wasn't thinking about it, but man, I would just start to sing or I would talk to other people about the goodness of God. And my families, they've kind of gotten used to it, me being out in public and they know, hey, dad may sing, but there should be that kind of joy. There should be that kind of excitement in our life that we are willing to declare and tell the goodness of God. Revelations chapter seven, verse nine, we see this. It says this, John was talking and he said, after I looked up in heaven and behold a great multitude that no one can number, listen, from every nation, from all tribes, from peoples, from different languages. And they were standing before the throne of God and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all of the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their face before the throne and they worshiped God. And they declared blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Why is that a cultural thing? It's because all of heaven is worshiping. And you and I have been labeled citizens of heaven. And we're invited to sing. We're invited to rejoice. We're invited to declare the goodness of God, to sing the glory of God. That's the invitation that God has extended to us. That's what we should be demonstrating you know, as a dad, I've gotten really good at embarrassing my kids. Don't know if any other dads do this. I don't know if your dad did this. But I want them to know how proud I am of them. So I'll be at their choir concert or their awards ceremony for elementary school. I was just at Micah's graduation. And I yell so loud that their face turns red on the stage. I get a little crazy, right? I just want them to know. I don't want there to be any doubt in their mind how much I love them and what I think of them and how proud they are. Matter of fact, at graduation, we were in the Caldwell Center, which if you've never been there, it's like a big stadium. And so I thought I'm gonna have to be extra loud. And there, I mean, there was like thousands of people there. There was over 300 and some graduates. And I yelled so loud, I almost passed out. Like I started to see stars. I got a little dizzy, I had to sit down. But my first question when I saw Micah is I was like, did you hear me on the stage? And he's like, yeah, dad, heard everything you said. It's because I love him. And church, that should be our response to God, that we love him so much. When we come into a room like this, no one's twisting our arms. 
It doesn't have to be the right song or our favorite worship music or done the right way. No one has to kind of prod us or cheerlead us into, hey, let's worship God. No, it just comes naturally. Why? Because it's part of the culture of heaven. You and I have been labeled citizens of heaven. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We join in with what heaven's doing 24-7, and we celebrate the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we declare our love for him. We want God to know how much we love him, church. That's what we do. We sing and we worship. And so, church, I want to remind you, you have been labeled a citizen of heaven if you've received the grace of God. And our goal is to invite everyone to come in, to be a part of what God is doing. And we need to remember that we're called to love each other, to love those outside of the kingdom of God with a God kind of love, and that we're called to worship. It's just part of the culture of heaven. It's part of what makes us different because we've been labeled citizens of heaven that we love and that we sing to our God.